welcome to the Frogcast. Jeff Mitchell here with Jeremy Clark and Daniel Southern. Southern, the Horn Frogs are victorious in Austin. TCU 33, University of Texas 31. We're going to talk about this big victory and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Jeremy, it's uh, seven and two. The last I checked, Frogs in the Big Twelve against the University of Texas. It seems as if this is a tradition like no other. TCU beating Texas. Were you shocked? No, I thought they had a chance to win, and you you saw how I did that reverse psychology on our bold predictions. I, I predicted that they would lose a close one, and I was hoping that would be enough to kind of let them go out there and prove me wrong, and I'm glad it worked out. But, no, I mean, man, they've, they've owned – they have completely owned Texas since joining the Big 12. Seven and two, they're four and one in Austin. Uh, you have one win that they've had that <laughs> we could sit here and talk about that for 30 minutes – back in 2018, how we all thought that was kind of a fluke win for, for Texas, but Gary Patterson owns Texas. There's something about it. It's, I, I wish he had that kind of record against OU and Oklahoma state and some of those other tougher schools in the conference, but you know, it, great quality win. That's what they needed. And I, I, I feel like this is a pretty good football team. Some things they got to improve on, but I like what I'm seeing through the first two games. Yeah, it's really hard to argue with where the program sits right now in 2020. I know that the first half against Iowa State was rough. I know that Max didn't play in the first half against Iowa State. But when you look at the second half of the Iowa State game and then look at the totality of the Texas game, there's things to fix. Make no mistake. 2020 is just a weird year, and we all know it. But that being said, the Frogs are 1-1, one and one, and they got another win down in Austin. If you had to pick one, do you want to beat Iowa State or do you want to beat Texas? I think we all know what the answer was going to be. So, yeah, I felt good about the Frogs getting that win. Um, we'll talk about it here in a moment. There were a couple of times where I thought, oh, man, here it goes. But then in a lot of ways, it felt just like the 2019 game where, you know, Texas right. – you know, TCU controlled the game. Uh, they were able to, you know, bend but not break on defense. But then there in the third and fourth quarter, man, Texas just comes roaring back. And in this game, they took the lead. And by golly, if Max just didn't march them down the field and get that victory. So I've got I don't know if you got it. I don't know if you got it on your notes for later for later, but they they've got the win against Texas, obviously, and they lost the first week to Iowa State by three. And all Iowa State did on Saturday, too, was beat Oklahoma, who was predicted to, to win the, the Big 12 title. Um, Oklahoma might be having a down year, obviously, but I think Iowa State proved that they're a little bit better than not a good football team. Yeah, Iowa State is a good football team. They got a nice, you know, really nice win. Fought back and stole that game. I mean, they took that game. I thought they were going to lose. So, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you go to go to Ames at your own risk. That's kind of where things are right now, unless you're a Sunbelt team. Go to Ames at your own risk. I have- you, know, you know that that Oklahoma got 414 total yards against Iowa State, and TCU had almost 500, would have had way over 500 without the sacks. So yeah, and Max you, have played the whole game. Yeah, and you've got so you got to look at that and compare when you got an offense like Oklahoma and Iowa State shutting them down to four fourteen. You got to be you got to think positively about TCU's offense and the direction they're going. Yeah, I do feel positive about the direction TCU's going, and I feel positive about the direction that Doug and Sonny have the offense going. So I feel really good about that. Takeaways from the Texas game. I've got three Fs. I'm going to give you the first F, second F, third F, and you give me your thoughts on it, Jeremy. What would you think of all the flags? Mm. 
That was a that was a pretty uh, referee intense game, wasn't it? I think they totaled twenty six penalties. TCU had fourteen. Texas had twelve. There were a lot of flags in that game. I mean, from the opening kickoff, um, you had some flags that were picked up. Thankfully, some of those went in TCU's favor. Uh, but man, you talk about Big Twelve refs and the bad reputation they get. It didn't help them on. It, it didn't help them out at all. The way it was in Austin on Saturday. No, they did not. Those officials really, really like their t- their day in the sun, getting on the camera, getting a chance to kind of you know put their mask down to be able to talk. You know, I couldn't I, – I was trying to remember how things unfolded in the first um, five minutes of the broadcast. Not the five, first, first five minutes of the game, but the broadcast. Because I was trying to remember how many flags there were on that first kickoff without having to go back and look. And so we had a flag, and then we had double flags. We had double off – we had, we had offsides, TCU, I believe, the first two plays. And yeah. it just felt like a human rain delay getting getting that game going. And that was a – that was a no. I mean, oh my gosh! You just knew it was coming after the way that game started because that second offsides that was so ticky tack. That's somebody that wanted to make sure you knew your shoelace was right there on the line, and we're not going to do that again. That was disgusting. Jeff Mitchell doesn't. Jeff Mitchell doesn't throw that flag, does he? No, Jeff Mitchell doesn't throw that flag. In fact, you know, to throw that flag, it has to. Anyway, no, you got it. It has to have an impact on the game at the point of attack. And that had nothing to do with it. That was terrible. I will tell you, you know, I was on Twitter way too much in that game. Texas fans are pretty salty about the officiating, and they think that cost them the game. I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, TCU was flagged more than Texas was. So just in case, you know, I know there were some timely flags that seemed like it went went against the the Longhorns. But, man, TCU was penalized more than Texas was. And um, I felt like there were a couple times that they didn't call holding on us that they should have called holding on us. That's how bad we played at times on the offensive line. So, yeah, this game had flags all over it. Second F, field goals. What do you think about going uh, Kel going four for four? Obviously, if he misses one of those, we don't win the game. But also, we got to put the ball in the end zone when we get down to the red zone. What's your takeaway from watching the Frogs kick four field goals? I think they're heading in, heading in the right direction. Um, when you get in the red zone, you got to put some kind of points on the board. And last week against Iowa State, that was the difference in the game. Uh, Kale missed that early field goal, and that's that's how they lost. So anytime you can get in the red zone and score points, I like it. Uh, but I also feel that you have to put six on the board instead of three each time. And I think they're going to get better at that. I think they're going to continue to to get into the red zone have different play designs. We'll see different packages. I still think we're going to see Stefan Brown down near the goal line in a, in a quarterback package. But you've got to hand it to Griffin Kell. He he went out there. He was four for four. And I'm sitting there watching, and I'm thinking, man, this is just like you know a Jonathan song. I mean, he's, he seems to be so accurate. And even on that 48-yarder, you lost your breath for about a split second when it looked like it was going to go right, and then it just angled perfectly right down the middle. But I, I think he's going to be really huge for TCU this year. He proved it last year against Texas, had had that long field goal that I thought helped give him a lot of confidence last year. He was three for four uh, on the year uh, last year. Right now he's four for five, and I think he's going to have a pretty decent year. And I think it's a, a good weapon for TCU to have. And any time, like I said, if, if you can get down there to red zone and you can almost get a guarantee of, tw- uh, of three points because your kicker's so good, then 
I, I take it. But like you said, you want you want to get more more touchdowns when you're down there. Yeah, this is where we have to quote Gary, Gary Patterson back to Gary Patterson. In the Big 12, you want to make him kick field goals, not score touchdowns. And we're kicking yeah. field goals and not scoring touchdowns. What is there anything you see? Obviously, it's a short and see, we haven't seen too much of the season. Was there anything you saw Saturday where the offense tightened up or where they, they weren't making changes that they needed to make to make the most of those trips into the red zone that they were settling for those field goals rather than able to punch it in? I think it's a little bit of of everything. A lot of it's just execution. Um, they had that one play where I, I believe it was third and five and they were at the eight. And if Avila would have got his block on his guy, there was a lane where, you know, three guys could have ran through at the same time. But the fact that Avila missed his block just caused chaos and the and the and the lane was blocked. But if 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 Avila just gets his guy for a split second, Max is walking in. So it's I, I like the play calls. I didn't like the play call on the first score when they tried to go to Carter Ware. That that reeked so heavily of a call of Hey, let's get this guy the ball. He's worked hard in fall camp. He's a walk-on or former walk-on. He's a hard worker. Let's let's give him some glory. I hated that call. It, it had it had disaster written all over it. Number one, Carter didn't even go into the end zone hardly <laughs> for the score. I mean, he he ran his route. If I go back and look, if he if he ran it to the end zone, he was maybe one yard into the end zone. Um, but I, I didn't like that call. I, I loved. The call when Max got his first rushing touchdown is a great seal block by Quazel White. Uh, Tay Barber, even though he's about six inches shorter than Caden Stearns, completely dominated Caden Stearns blocking blocking the perimeter. Which I've got to admit, the receivers has done have done a really fantastic job blocking on the perimeter. John Stevens, we talked a lot about it on the board. I saw a lot of people commenting on it. It, it's all very noticeable. We we all see the same things, and, and John Stevens is becoming one of those guys that uh, I like when they get out on the edge. You see, if you see number seven out there, it's almost a guarantee that he's going to get a block on his guy. But it, it just boils down to execution, man. It, it it's it's not as so much as play calls as it was last year. It's just it's just falling at the hands of execution, making untimely mistakes. Maybe an offensive line misses a key block. But I think they're they're going to get all that fixed, and I, I think we're just seeing maybe about sixty percent of what this offense can do right now. I, I still think they're they're going to get in a groove. They're going to play really good, and we may be seeing a, a we may be on the verge of seeing them being able to go out there and score over forty points a game every time they go out there. That would be a welcomed addition to the offense. You know, there's no denying the improvement of wide receiver play from last year to this year already, just in two games. And it's easy to say, oh, we're able to get down the field more. Our wide receivers are running better routes. They're catching the ball. The blocking on the perimeter is night and day compared from last year to this year. It's so nice to see that we have our big receivers like, um, you know, like John Stevens Jr. out there using their bodies. I'd love to see John go down in the corner and post and catch a pass, but he knows how to block. And that is clearly something that I think Malcolm Kelly brings to the program. And there's no denying that that's something that also Doug Meacham is able to bring to the program. And so before we get to the, to the next F, I do just kind of want to celebrate this as the ability for teamwork to work together. Doug is doing a good job calling plays. Uh, Max has clearly been improved by Sonny Cumbie. 
And Malcolm Kelly might be the greatest addition that that um, he has made to the staff in a long time. I know Doug is is not new to the program. He's new. He's back again. But that is a great group of people to be able to work with. And then when you think about the backfield, you know, I mean, we just continue to add strong coaches. And I see the offense. He made changes. They weren't flashy, but they've clearly made improvements. And I feel a whole lot better about the coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball this year than I did last year. All right, let's go to the third F. We've talked about flags. We've talked about field goals. Let's talk about a fumble on the goal line, Jeremy. Before we talk about, you know, uh, Garrett Wallow making a hit and D. Winters making a hit and uh, uh, Bethley being able to fall on it, you can't forget what set that up. Wheel route. Keandre, uh, Keontae Ingram takes it down. I thought he was going to take it to the house. Uh, Kendrick Van Zant chases him down. I remember when Ingram was running down the field, I'm like, that's a touchdown. And Van Zant just came out of nowhere and made that tackle. I think it was at about the 12. Um, if he doesn't have that all-out hustle play, he gets into the end zone, and the Longhorns get in the end zone, and I don't know that we win that game. But I, I hate to sound like dad coach out here, but that's why you never quit on a play because yeah. you do not know the impact that that could have. That is why when you see that guy chasing down the field and you're like, why is he doing that? And he doesn't catch him because sometimes you do catch him. And then sometimes he fumbles at the one and you win the game. And so let's talk about the fumble and, and all that went into that. But I just want to celebrate Van Zant because that was, that was the play of the game in my mind because it set up what became the play of the game. And he doesn't make that play. The Frogs probably lose. Yeah, he, that was definitely – on my list of plays of the game we're going to discuss here in a little bit, but you're right. I mean, great hustle play. It was, it was a weird, it wasn't, I don't think it was necessarily the wheel route. I think it was just kind of a, a, a seam route out of the backfield. Um, and he just happened to get, I don't even know if it was really his guy. I haven't gone back and, and watched all the way to the fourth quarter yet. Um, but he showed off his speed. He showed, he showed why he's one of the starting safeties out there. He's, he's very fleet. Uh, he, he caught with he caught Ingram. I think it was on the seventeen. And the only reason I remember this is because they they got they, he caught him, and then they tech this this is how bad coaching is at Texas right now. This kid just ran fifty two yards for his life, so they just they hand him the ball off again. He gets sixteen yards down to the one, probably can't hardly breathe but they're gonna say let's get this guy touchdown i i put this on my thoughts there was a hundred percent guarantee that i thought ellinger was going to take the snap and run it in we've seen it a thousand times not a thousand but we every every year we see texas play we we're sitting at home or or watching them play another team or we're watching them play tcu when they get near the goal line the last four years it's been that big quarterback that's running running the quarterback draw or running quarterback power. We all know that. We all knew he was getting the ball. But yet they give it to Ingram. He's probably halfway out of breath. And he tries to extend the ball, and Garrett makes a great play, gets the strip, and Corey just happens to be there and, and falls on it. It's the, it's the play of the game. Um, but as you mentioned, the play before, a couple plays before where LeKendrick ends up catching Ingram, that's the difference maker. I, I'm not sure if TCU gets the ball back, uh, if Texas scores there, if they're able to go down and, and get a touchdown or a field goal. Uh, I feel confident that they would have moved the ball, but you just never know in those situations. But that was that was a uh, 
a very pivotal play and man, what a, what a welcoming sight that was in the last, you just go from these wave of emotions where you're feeling, you just know that the, I don't know how you follow the, the game thread, Jeff, but I made a comment after the offense scored. I made a comment. Okay, guys, this is where the defense usually gives up big plays. It wasn't that particular drive. It was one of the other drives before because we've just seen it so many times where the offense finally gets in the groove. The defense has the, the defense has made a couple stops. The offense finally scores, and then it's up to the defense, and that's like that's like their cue to start giving up big plays. And that's what it happened again on when, when Max scores, makes it thirty three twenty nine, and immediately they give up a big play on defense. TCU secondary right now, they've got extremely athletic kids. And I don't know if it's just Gary is confusing the heck out of them with coverages or what, but the fact that some of these receivers are getting so wide open is very troublesome to me. It, it really is. They've had moments where they've given up big plays in the past, but I can't remember the last two weeks where guys are just so wide open just because of blown coverages. Yeah, that that moment where you said this is where they usually end up they end up giving up a big play. You just knew it was going to come. You knew it was coming. You knew it was going to happen and I I don't, I as well share your concern. I don't know if they're being overcoached. I don't know if their their scheme is too complex at the moment. I don't know if this is why we play a couple of cupcakes early in the season, but they they seem to have a breakdown and it always comes at the worst possible time. Frogs yes. are great on first and second down. It's third and 17 that scares me to death. Third and four, I feel like they're going to shoot the gap and fill the hole and bust it up. But third and 17, oh, man. Who, who was the receiver? It was in the third quarter, I believe. They were on a crossing route and from Texas, and he, they Sam hit him Jake right behind him. And he just Jake dropped Smith. it. Otherwise, he'd still be running. He might have he scored on that play. Yeah. Jake Smith had, a, Jake Smith had a tough game for them. He had a couple big drops. Yeah, Jake Smith. He had a couple of big drops. Yeah, that those those were tough. I mean, that was tough if you're a Texas fan because that's that's a first down, if not more, if not a touchdown. So the problem with with the defense is some of those guys are in man, some of them are in zone, and when they do those crossing routes, every team knows when you start crossing up TCU, you're gonna you're gonna have someone open. I mean, the first touchdown pass of the day, uh, Jake Smith was so wide open because they all ran crossing routes underneath. It's just it's it's really bad and. And the linebackers and pass coverage right now, it, it's leaving a lot to be desired. I mean, they they're they're non-existent. They're non-existent right now. Yes, they are. They are non-existent. All right, let's flip and look at a couple of players. A couple of guys I wanted to highlight. Jeremy, you've been talking about Miller as a is maybe the best running back, or the one that's getting the most buzz, or the one we should focus on the most. Obviously, Darwin Barlow scoring a touchdown. Great to see him score. Um, Foster was in the game. Of course, everybody was just so excited for Zach Evans to run for a few yards. But it was Miller that carried this game. And um, give us some feedback on how well you think he played and what we might see from him going forward. I mean, it's just another steal for TCU. This is a guy that when – and you, you guys probably know who I'm talking about. A, a lot of you were – trying to figure out why TC would even take this kid because he wasn't very highly ranked. A lot of you were predict- predicting him to play linebacker. And I this is when I told you guys a long time ago that they're taking this kid for a reason because they felt like Richardson wasn't going to make it. And I think he's 
he's proven a lot of people that, and, and I'll, I, I, listen, I work for recruit, a recruiting service. We don't always get them right. There's, there's some that we get wrong and there's some that we get extremely wrong. And this is one of those ones that we got extremely wrong. Miller played quarterback last year. He was forced to play quarterback, but he rushed for almost 3,000 yards. So he's doing something right. He played for a program that I think had zero wins his freshman year. And by the time he was a junior and senior, they were going to the playoffs. He was a very dominant player. He did exactly what you're supposed to do when you're that type of player at the 2A level. He just completely dominated. And when I started hearing the whispers and, and people I spoke with, around the program early in fall camp about how he is looking. And then when they put the pads on and, and talking to a lot of people that I trust, whether it be players or anyone else telling me the same thing that Miller is the guy that everyone needs to be thinking about. Uh, Barlow's good. And it was frustrating the board because I wasn't saying anything good about Evans, but everyone wanted to talk about Miller. Everyone wanted to talk about Barlow. Um, but Miller is just another classic find at, if you if you watched his recruitment, they didn't even offer him until January, and they they honestly didn't know if they were going to take him. But he's he's done well. I, I like I like his uh, his his ability to to get to the hole pretty fast. I mean, he's not the explosive four four type guy, but he gets yards. He gets tough yards. He's a tough runner. He had a twenty eight yarder. I like I like the way he ran on that play. I think he had a, a eleven yarder, sixteen yarder also on the game on that same drive um, that I was impressed with. But I, I think moving forward, it's going to be a very crowded running back room. I mean, let's be honest. You've got Amari, you've got Darwin, you've got DeMarque, Kendra, and Zach Evans. Zach got a, got a carry, and his first official touch was actually – everyone thinks that little play is a rush, but it's actually a pass because the quarterback will flip it one yard away to the running back or, or whoever's coming on those jet sweeps. And with him not handing that ball, they, they counted as a pass. So his first touch was, uh, I think, a six-yard uh, pass reception. And then he had a three-yard gain later in the game. But there was a, that, that series where he got that first little jet. He was, in, he was in the game, I think, for about four or five consecutive plays. So he, he got some action out there. But it, it, it's just going to be one of those – positions where I don't want to sit here and tell you guys there's going to be a transfer, but it, listen, don't, don't freak out. Good gosh. Don't freak out for anyone. Don't start asking me on Twitter or on the board, who's going to transfer. I'm just saying that usually when you have a, a group that is as crowded as TCU's is, especially as, for as young as all those guys are, you probably have a guy that ends up looking for more carries somewhere else. But I just, I just like the fact that all four of them or all five of them right now are getting some touches, so, so they're at least trying to keep everyone happy. Hey, Jeremy, who's going to transfer from the running yeah, back? Yeah, that, that, that will come, trust me. And it'll, it'll be someone, someone will try to be smart guy or funny guy, and I'm just going to ignore it. Yeah, I don't blame you. Just go ahead and do just, – just ignore them. Just ignore him. All right, one other guy I wanted to, uh, to highlight, this another freshman out there making an impact. We flipped him from the University of Texas, so it's a big deal. Quentin Johnston, he looked like a seasoned sophomore. Jeff, if you're there, I can't hear you. What about now? Can you hear me now? I got you now. You're good. All right. Sorry about that. Hey, that's our that's our 15 seconds of technical difficulty. That's our 15 there. seconds of technical difficulty. Hey, I'm used to people to, to talking and nobody listening to me. So, <laughs> Quentin Johnston out there, um, he looked like a seasoned sophomore, maybe a junior. 
he was out there making plays. Obviously, the Frogs flipped him from the University of Texas. You have to feel good about what we saw from Quentin Johnson on Saturday. What did you see, Jeremy? I mean, I like what he's done the first two games. I mean, he's obviously proven to be a, a guy that is a reliable target. I think when they go to him, he usually comes down with a catch. He almost came down with a great one-handed catch. And I think moving forward, you got to keep finding ways to get him the ball, get him more targets, uh, especially in those red zone plays. If you're if you're on the 10 and you've got a second down situation, I feel very comfortable in knowing they could probably throw it up to him in the corner of the end zone, and he, he's probably going to make a good play on it. But he's he's very impressive so far. I, and I think Joel Klatt was even talking about how impressive he is. And he's going to keep getting bigger. Right now he's 6'4", around 190, 193. Uh, he's shown pretty good, pretty good route running ability so far. But he's another one of those kids that is really blocking well on the perimeter. He had one play. I don't remember what quarter it was in. I, I think it might have been the first quarter where he blocked – one of the Texas cornerbacks into the Texas sideline. I mean, he was he was very strong on that play, but he's just going to keep getting better. I, what a what a huge recruiting haul by Malcolm Williams, and we saw the other big freshman Savion. Savion tripped on his route, but you got to look you got to look at those two outside receivers. You got one that's six five and one that's six four, and you're just sitting there thinking both these guys are true freshmen. TCU's got a bright future. Yes, they do. I, w- I was glad to see Savion get in there. I know he tripped up, but he's got some time to grow and develop. So I feel good about both those guys. But man, Quentin Johnston, I'm, he's just going to keep getting better as the season goes on. Him and Max get locked in. I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, being able to throw a fade route actually down in the red zone to a guy that's not five foot seven. So I feel really good about that. The, the play that the play that just had me cracking up was when Matt Max got his uh, pass deflected. And Quentin Johnson just happened to be there at the right place at the right time and hauls it in and, and ends up getting a first down out of the play. Uh, but, man, you're just thinking, what a, what a heady play by the by the freshman to be just around there and, and knowing enough to go up there and get that ball and, and, and help your team get some yards. Yeah, being wise, um, having your head up, being able to react quick, he was able to do it. Let's look at some games that uh, some plays that might have changed the game. I've already kind of highlighted one, and, and in a game like this, there's so many choices to to pick from. But Jeremy, give me two or three plays that you think might have changed the game that uh, the the untrained eye might not have noticed. Well, uh, the the big one was what we talked about earlier, Van Zant. I think that was obviously the biggest play. But Van Zant had another big play of the game late late in the first half whether Josh Moore was running the wrong route or whether Sam Ellinger just had a, a horrible pass, Van Zant stepped in front of it. He returned it all the way down to the five. It, it put TCU in prime uh, position to score. He got the unsportsmanlike, but if you go back and watch the replay, uh, I, if I'm Coach Patterson, I'm not so mad at LeKendrick today as I was yesterday because if someone would have done that to me, I would have been pissed off too. But I hope they send uh, that into the Big 12 office. And, and they they honestly need to. They honestly yeah. need to. That uh, um, that was junk. I'll just leave it at that. But they, but you know, after after that, they they don't score a touchdown, but they get a field goal. So you're you're talking about a a three point game turning into a six point game. And anytime you can get some points at the end of a half when you don't think you're going to get any points, that's a big thing. And that those three points ended up really being a big difference in the game. I mean, if, if you're looking at late in the game, it's 33-29. Texas has got a score. They're pressing the score. And that 
the fact that LaKendrick got that interception was was really big for the defense. And he, let's be honest, he really needed that play. The other one, uh, another one that I thought it didn't really have uh, in effect yardage wise or anything like that. But I thought when Juwan Mitchell was uh, kicked out of the ball game for his targeting call on Max was pretty huge because he was he was becoming one of their better defenders. Uh, the last two games, uh, and people talked about him. And I think the fact that he was knocked out hurt their linebacker core tremendously. I think he was uh, – I, I think that's one of the big reasons why Max was able to get some of those runs. Uh, the linebackers were completely lost on, on those plays. But it uh, it it was very, uh, very big in, in the sense that Texas just lost one of their top linebackers when he got that targeting. The third biggest play, and this might be, this actually might be second overall behind Van Zant. But after you get that turnover, what does TCU got to do? They've they've got to find a way to get a first down. They're already making Texas use all their timeouts. They've got to get a first down. And I want to say it was third and five, third and six, and 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 Tay ends up getting the first down on a run on on the on the little jet sweep. And I love the play call. I love the design. The offensive line, we could talk bad about them uh, as far as their pass protection, but their run blocking was was pretty legit. Let's let's be honest. They had way over 200 yards rushing. They're, they're showing some athleticism. They're moving. They're pulling. Uh, they're getting out on uh, linebackers and, and even some defensive backs on some plays. And everyone executed that play. Tay was able to get a first down, and it was that first down because Texas had no longer had any more timeouts that was really the the thing that sealed the game for TCU. So those are the those are the three plays that, that really caught my eye that that really made a big difference in this game. Tay on that last drive, obviously, his ability to take that um, sweep and then be able to get the first down that was the that was what set up. What was my play of the game that you need to acknowledge? What did you think about the safety and the penalty oh. at the end of the game? <laughs> well, I'm sitting there thinking – I was thinking the same thing. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. Any any guy that watches football, I'm sure every guy on the board that has a lot of football knowledge was probably thinking the same thing. They had six seconds, take the safety. Do not – do not – I'm not trying to talk bad about Sandy, but do not – do not put the – the fate of the game into a deep snapper into a punter who's not very consistent. It, if you have, you have a deep snap that could go way over his head or you, it could go through his hands and, or Texas sends everyone, they get a block. And then look at that Michigan, Michigan state game a few years ago. You remember how that ended up Michigan? Oh yeah. Yeah. Michigan state blocks it and they return it for a score and they win the game. So I'm sitting there thinking the whole time, please, please take a safety let Max let Max line up, or even it, it just let them line up normal, run around, and just try to once it gets once it gets down to two seconds, just launch it as far as you can, and there's going to be zero time on the clock, or just run out of the back of the end zone. That that was it was ne- it never crossed my mind that TCU should punt right there. It was a great call by Gary. Gary said after the game that they immediately knew that they were going to take a safety. They they knew that was the play. And it worked out perfect. And what do you know? They got to throw a penalty on the last stinking play of the game. That's how bad the referees were. But it was it was a smart call and the right call, obviously. 
Yeah, I watched a summary from the official from uh, the the guy from Fox that they bring in to kind of do the official reviews, and he said that there it was an intentional hold, which somehow carries more weight that they could have had an untimed down. Uh, I don't know, man. All, all I had was visions of the Oklahoma State Central Michigan game where they put another play on the clock and Michigan or Central Michigan scored to beat Oklahoma State, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, they did it right. Max Max got to the back of the end zone, although I thought he kind of stepped out a little too soon. Just, you know, go back there and stand and wait until a person knocks you out the back of the end zone and let the clock die. But Yeah, if they if they went back and watched the clock, he might have stepped out with one second. It might have been I thought he did too. Might, might have been the classic Texas Nebraska fiasco all over again, yeah. putting the time back on the clock, but I I thought he might have stepped out with one second left too and I was even thinking man, they're going to come back and review this and they're going to put a second back on and TCU's mm-hmm. going to have to kick the ball, this and that. But it ended up working out fine. It ended up working out fine. Frogs win 33-31. All right, let's bounce around the rest of the league and maybe a little bit of the country and um, then take a look at K-State real quick and then highlight a recruit that we were able to pick up since our last show. Guys, tell me if this isn't the greatest day in TCU football history. TCU wins, top 10 win on the road, first top 10 win on um, first top 10 win on the road since 2017, I believe. Oklahoma can, loses. Can I cut you off one second? Yeah. There has been so much talk about why is everyone saying TCU upset Texas? Because Texas is ranked number 9 in the country. That's what I'm trying I mean, listen, I get the fact that TCU is completely dominated. Even the players, ex-players are like, how's this an upset? We've dominated this program since joining the Big 12. It's an upset. Let's let's just put it into different a different category. What if TCU was 0-5 coming into this game and Texas is ranked number 9 and 5-0 and and TCU beats them? That's an upset. So it's – The are a 16-point dog. I mean, that, yeah, that's a wide open. Dog, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was an upset. Now, was I pretty confident, and did I pick the Frogs to win? Yes, I did. But, I mean, ooh, that it was an upset. We need to acknowledge that for what it was. And it doesn't mean it was a fluke. It means that TC won the game. So, yeah, it was an upset. So the Frogs get an upset victory. How's that? Right. Oklahoma loses. Baylor loses. Tech loses. Texas loses. And Texas Tech loses. And Texas A&M loses. OU, Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma, Baylor, Tech, Texas, Texas A&M, all lose. TCU takes a W. That's about as good as it gets in my book. (laughs) Yeah, all you guys that hate all the other Texas schools were just loving life last night about 10 o'clock. Yeah, Baylor lost to West Virginia. I was just fine with that. Hey, West Virginia is going to be sneaky good this year, by the way. Yeah, Um, and and TCU having to go up there is – yeah. It's going to be tough, but good news is they don't have a full capacity crowd, so at least you don't have to go into a crazy environment. I know the country come to towns that go into Morgantown once a month to Walmart. Um, Yeah, they don't don't get to. They got to get all dressed up to go to Walmart. They got to figure (laughs) out. You know who's also being sneaky good right now, and I mentioned last week. Oklahoma State. Yes, they are. I mean, they played Kansas. Kansas is horrible. Yeah, but they completely hey, obliterated Kansas. Hey, maybe that Tulsa win that was they squeaked by isn't so bad. Did you see Tulsa went to Orlando and beat UCF? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe that wasn't a 
maybe that wasn't too bad of a win for them. Yeah. And they had but the true freshman they have right now, Oklahoma State, he's he's playing well. So yeah. he reminds yeah. me of the Mason Ru- Mason Rudolph when he was a, a a freshman, just not real mobile, but could pick you apart. He he can just throw those five yard to ten yard darts all day and hit you hit you deep for a couple times. But Oklahoma State's sneaky good right now. They're they're basically if you look at everyone else in the Big Twelve, they're the they're the only hope right now for the Big Twelve even getting to the playoffs. Yes, they are. They are the only hope right now. Oklahoma State undefeated. Um, I, I got to put them in the driver's seat to the Big Twelve title game, especially with Oklahoma sitting there with two losses. So you know what the scenario has to be now, right? Did Iowa, Iowa State's going to have to win out, and TCU's going to have to win out. That way, they're both ranked high. Mm-hmm. And they meet in the Big Twelve Championship, and TCU gets a chance to play them again, and TCU beats them this time. And has Max play the whole game? I would be fine with that. I would not turn that down. Very possible scenario. Very possible scenario. Yeah. Well, the Frogs are looking to Kansas State next week. Uh, Skyler Thompson looks like he he's going to be out. He left that game in a sling. Uh, does not look like he's going to be able to play. Frogs playing at home, uh, the 3 o'clock game on Fox. So what are your thoughts about the Frogs being able to go in there? I think they're a double-digit uh, double favorite against Kansas State coming to Fort Worth. Uh, what are your thoughts on that game, Jeremy? This game scares me a little bit because Kansas State's another power team. They're going to run the ball right at you. There's there's no misdirection. There's, there's no trying to fool you. There's no trying to run trick plays on you. They're just going to line up. They're going to come right at you. They're going to run north and south. They've got a really good running back. The freshman, you know, he's he's not very experienced at quarterback, but he's a big kid. He reminds me a lot of that kid they had a few years ago, that Colin Klein kid, just a humongous quarterback. I think he's around 6'4", 6'5", 230, and he, he's going to move the pile. He's, he's going to be able to run a little bit. So TCU's run defense has got to be better. The defense for Kansas State, they're going to give up a lot of points. Um, they do play fundamentally sound defense. They don't You don't get them out of their, their positions too much. They've got a really good defensive end. And uh, Wyatt Hubert, uh, he's going to give whoever's been dealt the task to block that kid all kinds of heck on Saturday because it, I, don't, I don't know if Andrew Coker or uh, – Andrew Coker would be the one because Wyatt usually lines up on the left end. Um but they, they might look at Austin Myers and see how bad he's playing and just say, hey, Wyatt, you're going to line up on the right side this week and get after that quarterback. But it's it's going to be a tough game because Kansas State's just going to ground and pound at you. They're going to try to run the clock. They understand TCU's got a little bit more uh, positive offense this year. They can go out and score some points. If we were looking at where they're at right now, they're, they're averaging, what, 33.5 points a game, somewhere around there. So they're – they're able to move the football against two pretty decent defenses right now. Uh, Iowa State's good defense. Texas may not be a great defense, but they still have got a lot of athletes, more athletes than what Kansas State has. But it's a it's a scary game for me, I'll be honest. But it, it is it is a bright spot if Skylar Thompson doesn't come in there and play. But it's going to be one of those those grounded out type games, and and I could I could see TCU winning by double digits, but it's not going to be easy at first. No, I don't think it's going to be easy at first, and um, I don't know that the – I mean, I think the Frogs could win a shootout with them. I just don't know if Kansas State's going to be able to – or going to want to play a game like that. I think they're going to control the ball. I think they're going to run the ball. 
And I hope that we can pass block to be able to put up points when we do get the ball. Because if it's a whole bunch of three and outs and then they go on seven-minute drives, mm-hmm. I know they don't play Snyder ball the way that Snyder did and no one ever will, but there's still um, still streams of that in their genes. So we'll see what happens this Saturday. This is one of those games where if, if you get Kansas State out of running the football and you force them to pass and play catch-up, this is one of those games you have to do it. I mean, offense has got to start quick. Defense has got to – got to play sound football, not give up a big play. If they can somehow get out to maybe a 10, 14, nothing lead over Kansas State and and force the Wildcats to start panicking a little bit because they know their offense, their bread and butter is running the football, but if they're forced to pass the ball, they got Malik Knowles. He's a good receiver, but you're still putting the trust in, in, in the passing game into a true freshman quarterback. I'm not convinced Skylar Thompson's going to be out until I literally see that guy walking around with the sling on at Eamon Carter in pregame. That's, you know, every, every, it, it seems like the Big 12 this year, for whatever reason, when they say a player is questionable, he's he's going to be in there. So in, until they literally say Skylar Thompson's going to be out, then I'm not believing it until I see in pregame that he's walking around with the sling. I'm with you on that. So prepare accordingly. Oh yeah, yeah. You you got to be with me. You 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 still you still feeling burned over that info you got two weeks ago? I am burned. I'm out of the info business. I'm just I'm just I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stay in my lane, Jeremy. I'm just gonna stay in my lane. Did you Um, did you call those guys back and be like, dude? I just you hung me out to dry on that. I'm not saying anything. I'm not even going to tell you who told me. I'm, I mean, I told oh, I you. Not to tell everybody, but. You never reveal your sources. Never. never. That's, that's why people get mad because people don't reveal their sources. Respect my decision. Yeah. Respect. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, in closing here, Frogs added a great player. Um, Jasper Lott comes out of Argyle. His dad's a strength and conditioning coach for the Chargers. Um we looking at this guy. He's, he's from Argyle. We're looking at this guy as tight end, as a tackle. He's a big, lean body, 6'6", 345, or 245, excuse me. Yeah. He can play a lot of things. Give us a little bit about his recruitment and where you're going to project him on the field for the next couple of years. Well, I'm, I met Jasper last summer when he came up to TCU's camp. He, he had just moved here from California. And so it was the first time any anyone down in Texas had got a chance to see him. And, I mean, he passes the eyeball test. He's – Legit six five and a half, basically six six with cleats on. Uh, he he's not a burner. He's not going to run a four six on you. He's probably about a four eight kid, if I remember correctly, what he ran that day at TCU. But he does a great job uh, catching the football. He runs good routes for his size. I will say that TCU's recruiting him as an athlete right now because, like you said, he's he's got such a big frame. He's bound to put on some good weight. Uh, when your dad's a strength coach, that's that's a positive thing. But I, I, I think first and foremost, they're at least going to see what he does as a tight end. I know he wants to play tight end. He's not objective to playing other positions like offensive tackle because a lot of teams have, have told him the same thing TCU has. Hey, we want to play you at tight end, but there's a great chance that you can grow into a tackle. I mean, your dad's a big guy. You're already a big kid. It wouldn't surprise us if you gain 20 to 25 pounds the next two years and you're going to be a 270, 275-pound kid before you know it. But like I mentioned with his dad being a strength coach, the, the positive side of that is if they tell him we want you to be a tackle, his dad's going to know exactly the the regime he needs to put into him as far as 
adding weight, eating right to, to add all that weight, maintaining the strength and his, his durability. And if they tell him they want to be a tight end, his dad's going to know how to keep the weight off. He's going to, he's going to be able to help him uh, maintain his weight, uh, hopefully get a little faster. And it's, it's exciting. I, I'm really excited to see what he's going to end up being. It's, it's a great pickup for them. And I mean, he had a ton of offers. I mean, Arkansas, Ole Miss, those Auburn were schools that he was also heavily considering. So this is a this is a great addition for TCU. I think if he was ranked right now uh, with us with twenty four seven, a lot of us feel like he's going to end up being a tackle, and that's where we project a lot of our rankings to to where we think they're going to play in college. Uh, I think right now, if he was a tight end, he'd probably ranked, uh, and I think he was ranked before as a tight end around twenty five, but. He's he's really a, a good player uh, for TCU, and and I can't wait to see what he can do the next few years. He's going to be on campus in January, so that's another positive. That is a positive. Get him on campus in January. Start putting some of that size on him, and uh, see where he see where he fits, man. I'll be curious. Um, what's going on? I don't know. Can you guys hear that? I got the Memphis fight song in the background. <laughs> we got is some the band, sirens. Is the band practicing? No, the Memphis fight song is a siren going off. Oh, the next sirens! Time. Oh, yeah. Boy. <laughs> well, I know you good. told me before. You're like you're you're really close to the Liberty Bowl, right? I am. I'm really close to the Liberty Bowl. Yes. Did you yes, see who beat Memphis this weekend? Southern Methodist University. I had a church full of angry people this morning. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I got a lot of alums and fans, and guy guy that you, one of my good friends in the church used to play quarterback for them. So yeah, they were not happy. They were not happy. Did you have to console a lot of fans? Did a lot of. We did a big altar call for prayer, and most of it was to deal with the loss. So. <laughs> hey, speaking of, I know SMU got – they beat Memphis. They're top 25 now. I think they're around 18. How in the world is TCU still ranked 30th? Hey, man, they their only loss was, was you know, a couple-point loss to Iowa State. And – uh Iowa State went up there and, and, and or you know laid the wood to Oklahoma. So I think people think uh, they're they're not that bad, and they just beat the t- a number the number nine team in the country. The funny thing to me is Texas is two and one, and they're ranked higher than TCU, which is one and one, mm-hmm. and they lost to a good Iowa State team. Now, it, well, don't underestimate that win over UTEP. Oh, I know. Oh, no. Miners are miners are really tough this year. The miners are hey, they're actually winning some games this year. So I feel I'm glad to, I'm glad to see that. So we could hey, I will say this: we we didn't talk about it much earlier with the defense. They gave up some big plays, but Texas was averaging a lot of points coming into that game. Let's be yeah, honest. I, yeah, I, I felt bad. I mean, I felt like the defense underperformed in moments, but they were able to put the frogs' offense in a chance to win. So you can't complain about that. I felt like they played better against Texas than they did against Iowa State. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but that means they put they put they put fifty nine, they put fifty nine on UTEP mm-hmm. and they put sixty three. So what's that? Basically averaging averaging sixty one points a game, sixty two. Yeah. Somewhere around there. But we cut them in half. Yeah. So gotta gotta have some positive somewhere, right? Can't be all doom and gloom. No, it can't be all gloom and doom. Um, I do want to close with one of my favorite stats. I know we've kind of hinted around it, but Max moves to two and zero against Texas. Yes, Sam drops to a career one and three against TCU. 
And of course, the frogs go to seven and two against Texas since joining the Big 12. Those are numbers you can hang your hat on. And four and one in Austin. Four and one in Austin. That's right. Four and one in Austin. I will take that every single time. Should have been five and oh. Should have been five and oh. I know. Don't get me started. Don't get me started about second string quarterback at Missouri. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not uh, forget that fact. Let's not forget that. All right, fellas, we're going to bring this episode of the Frogcast to an end. We want to thank everybody that takes the time to log in every week. If you haven't yet, give us a rating and review and, a, and subscribe to us on iTunes. We would appreciate you doing that. Also, we are proud to be a part of the uh, 24-7 Sports Network. Go to hornfrogblitz.com. Subscribe. Now is a good time for you to stay connected to everything that's going on inside and around the program. As we move through the fall, recruiting is going to continue to heat up. This is a great place to stay connected for what's going on inside the program. You never know when crazy news might break. And if it's going to break, it's going to break through Horn Frog Blitz and our and our, um, and our stud star here, Jeremy Clark. So go ahead and, and, and log in and become a subscriber to that today. We'd love to have you on our board. So until next week, when we come back, hopefully to recap a big win against Kansas State. For Daniel Southern and for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks for listening to the Frogcast.